episode of the electronic gentleman pocket i'm gonna quit saying this week good lord i just feel like a liar all the yeah, time wel- welcome to this episode welcome yeah. to this ep- yeah welcome to this episode of the electronic gentleman podcast i'm derek sample and eric pubins is joining me today and we're back as the two-man team it's been a while how you doing eric Woo! oh i'm doing great and can't i'm psyched about being back on the show we were just talking about it you listen just very closely to everything we've ever recorded and you're like thinking man i like that guy's voice Talking about yourself, right? Yeah, I love your opposite day stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I never listen to the ones I'm on, and I keep planning to listen to the ones that I'm not on. Um, those are definitely higher priority to the ones that I am on. Yeah. All right. Well, this week I thought we would talk about um, criticism and the one star review. That's our uh, title for this week. And the reason I wanted to bring it up is we, in all of us, when we're in business, you're the whole adage that you can't make everyone happy. And sometimes you have to do what you know to be the best thing that you can do in any given situation, knowing that not everybody's going to be happy with what you do. That's really hard thing to deal with in business because especially a business where you're surviving based on referrals. And so, you know, any one review, I mean, I just imagine a small restaurant or a small business that is something more retail that gets a bad review on Yelp and how devastating that can be. Cause I mean, I look at Yelp reviews and I see, Hey, somebody put a one star review on there and it, you know, even though I think maybe that that person just had a bad experience or maybe they were having a bad day, it still gives me pause. And so when you're working so hard to build a business and you realize that it doesn't take much for someone to hurt your credibility. And I think that this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about how we deal with that and you know, what's the difference between um, maybe a client that needs a lot of handholding versus one that is being abusive? Uh, and where do you draw the line? And, and how do you how do you try to make people happy without compromising what you do? Yeah, I mean, it's and it's a tough line to look at. And, and speaking of those Yelp reviews, I'm really happy that we don't get those with what we do. And I think a lot of people that maybe are starting new businesses might might get those and they might be really important to them. Um, and I would hope that people aren't doing whatever sort of click farm thing it takes to make it look like you're getting good reviews because I that's that's going to fall apart eventually. But uh, you know, one quick thing, we were down, uh, my family and I were down several years ago in Galveston Island, on Galveston Island, and we were thinking about going to a restaurant and looked at it on on Yelp. And it's been there since I was a kid, which was you know, 150 years ago. and and when we looked it up, it said, when I walked in, it smelled like a corpse was rotting in the dumpster. And the kids saw that on Yelp while we were going there, so we didn't go. But why has it been there for so long? You know, they must have been doing something right. Yeah. Uh, but we still didn't go. But I mean, you're totally right that that can hurt you because we ended up not going uh, just because of that. And we thought it was hilarious. And you know, we went to some other restaurant nearby. Yeah. I mean, it stuck with you, but it's like, especially, and that's why I think sometimes you look at reviews and you're like, well, you know, there's five reviews and one of them's horrible versus there's a thousand reviews and a couple of bad ones. And so, you know, that's a nice thing that you can do, but when somebody's starting out, you're not going to have a thousand reviews. Like you said, that the place has been there a long time. And fortunately, most people probably don't rely on that negative review, but then you see 
businesses go back in and respond or you get an update from that person that says, hey, the after this this post, the manager reached out and took care of everything and I want to change my review or whatever. And that's all well and so, good, but you know, not everyone will update it and, and it, that it's still there. I mean, a lot of times that negative review is still still there. So do you think that's good to respond to the negative re- negative reviews? Because you know, that one obviously didn't. They the, the the people that ran that place didn't care. But you're talking about sometimes managers will will come will come back at them. I, I I've seen not on Yelp. I'm not like I it's not like I follow Yelp every day. But I've followed LinkedIn for a long time in, in our in our industry, mm-hmm. and I've seen people that come back just to any sort of comment, just super defensive, fighting about it. So I mean, where's the line on being super defensive and looking like an idiot and and uh, responding to something in a uh, in a meaningful way that lets people know that you care about what the feedback was? What do you, what do you think the, the where do you think that line is? Well, I've seen it happen, like, let's, you know, using Yelp again, the only time I've ever seen it successful is not when the, the person or the management responds defensively. They have to respond with, I'm really sorry you had this bad experience. Um, what can we do to make it right? Please reach out to me directly, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's sometimes that's a tough pill to swallow because, again, there's, you know, this could be anybody doing this for any reason. And... That, I think, is a little bit about what I want to talk about, because sometimes you do have to just kind of roll with the punches and keep it positive and hope that, for the most part, um, the person that is either trying to do damage to you intentionally or that legitimately had a bad experience based on circumstances that may or may not have been completely beyond our control... um, I agree. How do you respond to that? Or do you respond? I think in our industry, I think it's important to respond, but it really matters how. Well, are you talking about responding publicly over the internet where other people can see what you're talking about? Or are you talking about responding directly to the person who's giving you feedback? Well, either to either, either directly to you, obviously, and that will be personally, or if they give that feedback publicly. And let's say, as far as our our business is concerned, if they do it on LinkedIn. I think I've seen, uh, I think that if you're going to respond publicly, it has to be positive. Absolutely. Unless it's super clear that the person putting the negative review out has some sort of extreme bias or is doing something wrong. I think people will look at that and go, the management at least is monitoring this and cares about how they appear to the public. And they could respond. I mean, I think I'm not really sure how Yelp works, but I do think that the initial response usually is public. Uh, well, here, here's a here's a tough one for me, um, and it's been on, it's been on Twitter. Elon Musk has started to get a lot of crap about some things he said and things he's done, stuff that's happened in the in the factories, and he says stuff that's sometimes a little bit on the crazy side. And sometimes he says stuff that's a little bit on the awesome side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where do you come down on, you know, the CEO of a company like Tesla, where they've given up all their patents to try to help everyone else make better batteries, where they're, you know, they're, they're giving away information where um, he'll, he'll, he'll also say some crazy stuff sometimes. Um, where, you know, where do you, where do you, where do you draw the line or do you say that you have to be 
sure, if you're as rich and as famous as Elon Musk, you can say whatever you want to say. Yeah, I mean, I think with Elon Musk, at least to me, it seems like he got a lot of criticism before he started responding publicly. And I could be wrong about that, but it's been more of a, you know, it's the whole, um, and this happens to Apple too, where it's just like anytime there's a new phone or a new device, the news outlets are, all they do is try to make some sort of negative comment. Well, um, Apple's um, sales of this phone are not what they expected. And I mean, there's a difference between giving, you know, uh, revenue reports for business purposes, but there's always somebody trying to take a shot at the people at the top. And it's like yeah, the it, Tesla thing. It's like, yes, Tesla has had accidents, but in the big scheme of things, why is that news? Is it because they're on the forefront? And I think it is. And that, that makes for a difficult situation. Right. I mean, e Elon Musk, you know, I feel like him coming out and saying, you know, I think it's odd that anytime there's a, um, self-driving car that's in an accident becomes big news they aren't taking into account all of the successful things that are being done by tesla and i mean i again i just right. feel like he gets a lot of negative press for things that, that becomes it's just like with apple if there's something it becomes massive news just because of how popular it is i agree and i'm not saying i'm going to do this anytime soon but every now and then he opens his mouth and it's not perfect and it turns out he's an absolute crazy person and he says really weird stuff well, you know, of course he is. And, you know, find, find someone who's not a little bit crazy that does the sort of things he does. And I don't mean this to be an Elon Musk fanboy sort of thing. I mean, there's a lot of people who do fantastic stuff um, who, or who are very talented that are crazy that, you know, I might not give as much leeway to. But, um, you know, that's that's you know, that's my that's my question is the way he handles it. I see him get very defensive should he just be blowing it all off? Like say, let's, you know, let's take Apple and let's take Tim Cook. Um, people are always running at Apple. I don't ever see Tim Cook being the type of guy who'll be like, hey, screw you haters. Mm -hmm. We're doing our best out here. You know, I don't ever see him saying something like that without making it so diplomatic that it's almost vanilla. I think somebody, right? yeah, I, I feel like the Tim Cook, the way he handles it. I mean, there are times that I wish it's like... I mean, it kind of creates this illusion that maybe Apple doesn't really care what the customer wants. They have a vision and they're going to stick to it if they don't make a comment. But that doesn't necessarily mean that a comment needs to be defensive. It could just be informative. I, I think it just depends. There's, it depends on what it is and it depends on whether they should give it credence enough to, to mention it. Uh, Apple tends no, to not I'm mention saying, anything. What, what, I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that that Elon Musk will say, like, you idiots need to all cram it. I'm doing the best I can. And Tim Cook will say like, well, would, would say in the same situation, Apple is working very hard to resolve this situation. You know, it's right? going to depend. And, and that's where I'm saying, what's the difference between those two things? I, I think what Elon Musk does will polarize the audience because I think if people like him, they're going to be like, yeah, that's, you know, that needed to be said. And then if people are on the edge or they don't like him, they'll be like, look at this guy. He's nuts. He's, he's just shooting his mouth off. So I, I think it is more polarizing to, to say things defensively, whether it's going to hurt or help. I don't really know. Um, Tim right. Cook and, and Apple, the way they handle things, in my opinion, for as big a company as they are and as much market share as they have, they can probably get away with doing it either way. Uh, <laughs> 
I think, That's true. I think Tim Cook can probably do whatever he wants, and I think the way he's handled it is probably it rocks the boat less. And honestly, there's really no reason to bring that kind of defensiveness into the public sphere because most people aren't going to care. I mean, I heard, I right. saw a Facebook post the other day was like somebody was like talking about you know Apple could they could do any they could do just about anything to their products, and I would still use their stuff because I like it better than Android. And I think they're they're kind of in that position with a lot of people. Uh, frankly, if you're talking about mobile stuff, iOS versus Android, totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 a little tighter on on uh, Mac OS versus Windows, but I, iOS versus Android, I'm gonna take iOS. Yeah, <laughs> any day there has to be a massive swing before I would decide to switch on that. But that's yeah, yeah. irrelevant to this conversation. Well, but it's sort of like, I mean, we were talking about this too. I mean, we both have complaints with the new MacBook Pro and it's like, well, is it enough of a complaint that we're going to switch? Well, you know, I mean, we ha- we both have other computers and we use them, but I mean, there's still an awful lot keeping us in the Mac environment. But I mean, I guess there would be a situation where, you know, if they don't do this or they don't focus on this, I'm you know, I might consider using it less, but you know. I, well, here's, I, a, here, here's a question. Would either of us, or or you, since I'm asking you this question, <laughs> ever consider calling Apple and saying, "Hey, listen, there's some things about this operating system that I need to be changed, and I want them to be the way I like them." And I think you guys would be very lucky to talk to someone who's an actual computer user here, because listen, I get those calls that sound just like that with people who do my job the same job i do calling about the software that we make say telling me i'd be lucky to have them who have done this for 10 years fewer than i have and they did not start making their own software that i'm buying from them yet they need they're like hey if you want to talk to someone who's legit i'll tell you how to change this to look just like the software I used to use, but I'm abandoning right now for you. <laughs> so that's, I was going to say, that sounded like a segue. It was a very good oh, segue a- into, uh, <laughs> uh, and this is what we were, this is one of the things I wanted to talk about too. So I've heard that a lot. I've heard that yeah. a lot. And, and, and honestly, the, the way to make me not want to help you is to say, look, if you ever want to talk to someone who really does the job you do, not, not crappy and stupid, like the way you've done it for 20 years, but if you want to talk to someone who really knows what they're doing, me, myself, and I don't even have any colleagues, I'm just by myself, I'll, you can pay me and I'll tell you. Ooh, like you can pay me. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's Again, a- I, I, I've, I've, you know, I, I, I really am a self, self-loathing trial tech and I hate my own kind usually. <laughs> but, you know, we can get into that later. Well, that's a good, that's a, the, you, you bring up a really good, good point. And I think that's one of the, you know, we're in a business most of the time when we're talking about core and service business, there's a lot of nuance here, but when you're talking about the software thing, I think that, you know, you're not dealing with these people directly on a regular basis. And that makes it a little bit more like a retail environment or where people, they depersonalize the, again, we all do it, but it's like, oh, I'm going to call support. I'm not going to talk to this person. I'm going to talk to these people that clearly need my input and uh, need to be, need to know what's really up. And um, so how do you respond to that? I think it's inevitable that you're going to have that because people are used to being 
in an environment where their opinion becomes the facts. And, you know, do you get into an argument and say, well, you know, the reason we do this is this, the reason we do this is this. Oh, well, that's, uh, that's dumb. You shouldn't do it that way. Um, you should do it like this other thing. Um, how do you, how do you keep your composure and how do you respond to that? Well, I don't always keep my composure and I'll get to that in a second, but the, the one thing is when people say, I think you should do it like this, or why do you do it like this, which is, which is what you were saying, I give them the answer. We do it like this for, for this, you know, for whatever specific reason. Um, you know, here's, here's an answer. Why do you make people type X before they put in the number to bring up the document, right? It doesn't mean anything to most people, but mm-hmm. that's a question I get all the time. Like, well, that allows us to have hotkeys that don't require modifiers like control or alt. And it lets you jump to pages without having to type other keys. Mm-hmm. And those are things you do more often than the thing you do where you have to type X. So you actually save time overall. And I explain that to people. And usually that's a pretty, that's a, you know, it's a pretty good answer and they take it. But when someone comes to us and just says, I need you to change it this way because this is the way I I'm used to it. Well, you know, that's not, that's not going to work. And we might be polite to a certain, you know, to a certain extent and understand why you're saying that to a certain extent, because you're frustrated, you've used something else. It's not exactly like this, but you know, the reason you're coming to, to, to us is because you're frustrated with something else. So we understand that frustration is there and try to help you get over the hump. But then there's sometimes just rudeness that's beyond the pale. Um, I just remember one weekend, it was like a Saturday afternoon, and I remember I saw a, an email from someone who had used the, our software for maybe a month. It just said, cancel my account now, and it was in all caps. And we'd never spoken to this person before. And, you know, one of our very <laughs> diplomatic uh, team members, <laughs> Nancy, said, okay, sure, I got it. I did it. I did it for you. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't help myself. Uh, I was I was just so angry at like, why are you barking at us? You know, because we we go out of our way every time somebody calls us and asks for help. We bend over backwards to help people. We spend hours on the phone and sometimes we go to their offices to help them for almost nothing. And I guess and I just said, hey, don't confuse Nancy's professionalism. <laughs> for us ever wanting you back as a customer ever again. <laughs> right. And everyone was like, Oh my God, I can't, you, I can't believe you did that. And you know, her response was at the time, the customer I'm talking about, the, the customer's response was, I tried for hours to figure out how to cancel this and I couldn't. And that's why I wrote it in all caps. I'm like, well, you not knowing how to use a website or a computer is not our problem. Right. The first communication we ever had from you was you screaming at us yeah. and you're not the type of customer that we ever want to have again. So farewell. Yeah. And she said, I hope the owners, I hope the owners of on will, uh, will appreciate the fact that you said this to me. I said, go, just go for it. I yeah. can't wait for you to tell on me. I cannot wait for you to rat me out on this. Yeah, I mean, I started thinking about this because I, you know, I'm not as involved in the support side of things as some of you guys. But I mean, it's like when I see stuff like this, I'm thinking, 
Is there a little bit of a trade-off in the fact that we provide one-on-one, you know, we we try to be as responsive as we can, and, you know, it's the whole, like, well, when I contact support, I get a person, and, uh, you know, it, it's, re- you know, they'll, they'll go out of their way, you know, even at weird hours and all this sort of stuff, and I started thinking, that's, I'm glad that we do that. On the flip side, is it then allowable for us to, get personal and respond back in an honest way when someone is kind of not being fair. And I think that it is. I mean, I think that it's at least worth bringing up and trying to dig into what the problem is and calling people out if they're just going to be outright rude. Um, Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it is because we, we're taking a, you know, we're taking a big hit and I think a lot of companies should do this. And I think everyone should do this because I hate nothing more than calling the an office of somewhere I do business with and going through five layers of phone, uh, you know, phone menus. Yeah. Um, my doctor's office, I know they're sitting there. I know they're sitting right in there. And the thing I shouldn't have to, to hit a bunch of whole different, you know, a whole bunch of different, um, numbers yeah. to get to whoever's sitting there that I want to talk to. No one dials that number thinking, man, I can't wait to go through the menus and tell us that I want to refill a prescription. Yep. That's not what we want. We want to talk to someone about the, the appointment time. Um, and, but that's what, that's what we do. And, and I've, I've, I, you know, I've, I've made it very clear that what we do is we answer the phone when people call. Uh, I, I would bet you that over 90% of the time, when someone call it, because we never are responding to voicemails. Yeah. Someone always just answers the phone because it rings on so many phones. Right. Um, that doesn't happen. We've actually called our competitors sometimes just to see what happens. Um, and you want to know why? Because I saw them do it on the office. It was <laughs> Dwight and Jim doing it on the office to prove to someone that if you called Staples, they wouldn't answer the phone. And we've called our competitors and just... Put in, you know, put in whatever it is you need to get to talk to someone and sat there for 45 minutes and got nothing. Yep. So what we do is we always answer the phone. And if somebody emails us at any time of night, they get they get a response. Yeah. If it's reasonable. And because people say, hey, what are you what are your hours? Like, well, why would we why would we tell you what our hours are when if we closed at six? If I happen to be looking at my email at nine that night, I could respond to you. Right. So we don't actually have the hours. But if you write us at three o'clock in the morning, you might not hear back for a couple hours because, come on, you know that most people are sleeping at three o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, but, you know, that that's just that's one of those things where you're like, I'm going to trade a way to do this efficiently for a way that's a little more painful to do it. But people are going to remember, you know, they're going to remember, they're going to tell their friends and it's what you want. And doesn't it really always boil down to that golden rule thing? What do you want to happen when you call that phone number for support? Yeah. Just make make that happen. No one wants to enter a whole bunch of numbers for for uh, you know to go through menus. Right. What you want to happen is for someone to answer and to actually help you do what you want to do. Yeah. So just just make your company that same way. Well, and that puts the whole you know is the customer always right. Um, to the test. I mean, we know um, I've been around, I've been involved in enough of the support calls to know that no, 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 they're not. Um, 
And, you know, I think that it's, it's only fair that if they're going to get a live person, then they're going to get um, a real conversation. And sometimes that conversation may not go um, the way they want it to, and they might get disgruntled about it and say this software um, sucks and we don't, you know, and tell all their friends about it. And I guess that's just kind of a risk that we're willing to take. Um, because it, t- it could totally happen. And I, I, I would be actually very okay with if someone called and said, hey, this sucks. I don't want to use it anymore. If whoever they were talking to said, you shouldn't. You yeah. should use some, you should use whatever it is that you like so much that you're telling us about. Yeah. You know what? Um, but that doesn't really happen. And maybe that's and maybe that's correlated to the fact that, you know, if I'm sure it's I'm sure it's correlated, but but I mean, when you call, you get a person who cares about you. You know, but if you're calling to say you suck, well, that's a different story. Yeah. I mean, you know, as, as a as a software provider and as a service industry, and I've said this before, and I, you know, I haven't done this for as long as I have, not necessarily the software stuff, but the service stuff. I've always said, you know, as a vendor, um, you are a prime target for being thrown under a bus. And there's really not a whole lot you can do about it. And when your whole business is founded on um, referrals and people talking about how good you are at your job, it can really, I mean, it really hurts um, when you get somebody that says, I really don't like you and I'm going to tell everyone I know. And I mean, what, what do you do about that? I mean, first off, I mean, let me say this, that when you're doing a service business, there are going to be mistakes made. Um, Everyone is human. And, you know, there's, and one thing that I try to, um, drill into the people that are working for us. And I don't have to do this with our people. These are experienced people, but when I'm talking to new people or, and I mean, we all need this reminder, but sometimes you're doing great, big, important stuff for a case. But if you didn't, you know, QC it before it went out and there were typos or, you know, there was just something weird and it didn't look like it had the polish that the client was expecting all that sort of stuff, that stuff can just start to chip away at the customer confidence you know, that's on us. That's, you know, that's something that we need to focus on internally. And it's something that we all need reminders on. But then at that point, once you've done everything you can to fix, or you've, you've gone over and you've double checked and double checked, there's still going to be unhappy clients. It's just a fact of life. And, and at some point I've come to terms with that, even though I'm, you know, I've always been sort of a people pleaser and it's sort of like, well, what did I do wrong? What can I do? But, and then you start like, do I answer defensively? Do I let it go? Do I acknowledge it at all? And I guess it just depends on the situation. The situation is what it's all about. I'm always assessing what the situation is. And again, 99.9% of the time, there's a legitimate issue that your, that your clients are talking about. If they're talking about anything, you guys aren't just celebrating together for how well things went. Um, So you you have to listen to that. Um, Being defensive never helps. So if, but, but sometimes you step back and say, okay, I'm going to be with you. This was a problem and I'm going to help you. But if your gut says, Hey, they're just giving you crap. Mm -hmm. This was actually fine. And they don't even know what they're talking about. And if your gut's saying that after you've done it for a long time and you know, everything's good, you don't have to accept it. But sometimes you do have to tell people, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. That won't happen again. 
Yeah. And then maybe it doesn't happen again because you never work with them again, you know, by your own, by, by your own choice and not have someone who's just going to try and pick out problems. Yeah. I mean, and even if you know, you know, maybe you know enough about the situation to know that maybe the person giving you things to do got negative feedback on the work they were doing and it was easier to blame you than take the blame themselves. I mean, you know, that's human nature to do that. But the, you know, if, if there's a human nature, is it human nature or is it young people nature? <sighs> and I'm not making it, I'm not making a generational call, <laughs> right? I'm saying, I'm sorry, I guess I'm saying inexperienced people. I guess it depends on the stakes. <laughs> as, as I've said, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't go after young people versus old people. I think actually if it's young people versus old people, I think old people suck more. <laughs> but um but what I'm talking about is, is inexperienced people that 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 might say, Oh, this none of this was my problem and it's all your problem. Like, well, okay, you haven't done this long enough to understand what you did wrong. Yeah. Well, or you haven't done this enough to understand that this is not a great strategy. I mean you know, like, let's say, for instance, that there's a, a, a client that we've worked with forever and then there's somebody new that gets brought into the mix and something goes wrong and the new person decides that is opposed to taking um, blowback themselves, they decide to put a little bit of it on us. And again, we're in a really easy position for that to happen. You know, what we have to rely on in those situations are if it's an existing client that we've worked with a long time, they're going to look at that and go, you know, that doesn't really sound like something that would happen. And they're, they're able to assess that. And I think we have to trust the clients that we do have a history with. I mean, my problem is always, you know, every, every new thing is an opportunity to screw up any goodwill you've created in the past. And it's probably a good way to think, but it's still, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a drag to think that way. But that is the way I feel. It's like, oh, uh, it's yeah. true. It's yeah, it's true. It's true. But it's nerve wracking um, to do that. But I mean, it, yeah, it's 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 disingenuous to say it's not true that the old adage of, uh, you know, it takes I don't remember what the numbers are, but like, say it, it it takes one hour to get a new customer. It takes one second to lose them. Yep. Yeah. And that's horribly nerve wracking, um, especially in the position we're in where it's just like, you know, we are not a volume of client business. We are a volume of work from a few clients business, uh, historically. Totally. Yeah. And, and so those, those customers mean a ton to us and you know, it's, um, it's tough. And it, this kind of goes into a little bit of the other thing that I think that I've always, uh, I always have felt that I'm defensive and there are times when someone will, say something negative about work that I've done or not even negative. It's some of its opinion. It's so subjective, especially when you're dealing with design stuff. Yeah. I don't really like that. It it's, you know, as opposed to saying, I don't really like that. I, I, in my opinion, I think this looks like it could be better if this color were blue, you'll get customers or clients that come in and go, um, I don't like this. Um, this just looks bad and you have bad taste and you need to do it differently it's hard not to respond to that. And I think that I've had to learn over time that the best way to respond to that is to give that person some leeway and, and credit and know that they may be under stress and try to respond graciously. And, and there is a fine line between, you know, taking that approach. And also you can't just let someone just be abusive to you or your people and that sort of thing. So it's really there's nuance as was there is with anything else about finding what that line is. But uh, one thing that I try to do is 
look at the situation and go, you know what, they're being blunt, they're being direct. There's nothing wrong with that. I would prefer them to be polite and tactful about it, but sometimes I just have to roll with it and and take those things into account. No, I agree. I agree. And I and I'm one to always like just try to take my gut on to say like, hey, screw you for saying that. But there's a lot of times I also, you know, <laughs> counsel other people on, hey, the person who's saying that to you that's that's upsetting you hasn't done this for very long and they're just they're just trying to impress their own bosses and they're just they're they're doing their best and it has nothing to do with you yeah so yeah so you back off a little bit and you're happy when it's over and then and then everyone ends up getting on the same page at some point yeah I mean, we've, we've seen that happen we've we've seen it happen where there are people new um that come into the mix and at first there's some friction there you know there's when you're dealing with new people in any group and it can be new people in our group or new people in our clients groups where you're trying to make a mark, you're trying to, um, you know, impress your boss or you're, you're trying to have an opinion that even if it's sometimes just a different opinion means that you're adding value in theory, right? Uh, you know, I don't really like that color and I think it would be better as this. In reality, it's just, it's something you're offering and trying to take that into account. There's been times that we've started with people that went on later to become some of our best favorite clients that have a lot of confidence in us. So I think that if you can do your best to be tactful in response, and sometimes it takes more than it does to come up with a witty response and be defensive and snap something back. Um, obviously, we, you try not to do that anytime, but you know, just trying to be able to understand the situation and keep things professional Oftentimes that turns into a good, friendly working relationship down the road, in my experience. Yeah, it totally can. Yeah, just just take take into account what the people who are giving you crap might be thinking and then try to convince them why they why they should be listening to you. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably a good way to wrap up this show. I've listening in on some of the support calls and um, some of the conversations about stuff. I think this whole criticism, man, it's tough. It's, um, it's, it's tough to come back from that. How do you deal with that? Just, it, it varies. I mean, we did a show not too long ago on balance and it's just experience and finding, finding the right balance and knowing how to respond. But it's, it's, it's always a challenge and we all, it's always hard not to take things personally. But um, we got some interesting shows coming up. We've got a few guests we're going to have. Uh, I'm not going to say next week. I mean, every time I do that, I sound like I'm, uh, I'm lying later. But, uh, you know, things get in the way, and we're not able, always able to do it every week. But this is something that we're actively doing, and we're going to keep doing it. We'll just post the next one when it's available. All right, all right, all right. Let's do it. All right, right on. We'll see you next time. Listen to the electronic gentleman today.